I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Andy Staples on 3. The news coming fast and furious. It's like Texas A&M broke the seal by firing Jimbo Fisher on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 stuff starts happening. On Monday, Mississippi State fired head coach Zach Arnett. He didn't even finish his first season. Brady Hoke, our old friend, former Michigan coach, resigns at San Diego State. Ray Anderson, the athletic director at Arizona State, resigns. Just... News coming fast and furious, and that coaching carousel starting to spin very quickly, probably thanks to Texas A&M. People want to get in line. So what happens next? Well, yesterday, we talked about the Texas A&M candidates. Who's a candidate for Mississippi State? Let's go down the list. Mississippi State is looking for a new head football coach after firing Zach Arnett. Short of one full season, but... The way they worked out that arrangement with Arnett, it was basically an extended interim, and he had a chance to get the job full-time and didn't, didn't quite do it. Uh, $4.5 million buyout with an offset. Zach Arnett will be a very in-demand defensive coordinator, so it might be that Mississippi State doesn't have to pay very much of the $1.5 million a year it owes Zach Arnett over the next three years. So that's a long way of saying they got some money to spend, and they're going to have their options when it comes to finding their next head coach, there's some good group of five head coach options, a couple interesting coordinators, and also a former Mississippi State head coach who is hanging out there on television who's been very good at the job. Let's start there. You have to call Dan Mullen, don't you? Dan Mullen was 69-46 and 46 in nine seasons at Mississippi State before leaving for Florida. He had them number one in the first college football playoff ranking in 2014 the guy knows how to win in Starkville. The reasons he was fired at Florida are not really applicable at Mississippi State. You are not expected as Mississippi State's head coach to beat out Alabama and Georgia for recruits like you are as Florida's head coach. So this is a question you ask. Now, does he want to come back to coaching? That's a completely different question. Dan Mullen's been awesome on TV, so I don't know if this is something that he'd want to plunge back into. But if you're Zach Selman, the first-year AD at Mississippi State, I think you at least make the call just to figure out, hey, are you interested? But that said, there's some sitting head coaches that would be very good for this job. I will. Let's get Lance Leipold out of the way right now because we're going to have Lance Leipold from Kansas on almost all of these lists because everybody in college football is captivated by the turnaround job he did at Kansas. It is one of the best turnarounds in college football history. He won at Wisconsin-Whitewater, six national titles in Division Three. He turned around Buffalo. He's turned around Kansas. The guy can probably win anywhere, which is why we put him on the Texas A&M list, which is why he's on the Michigan State list, and also why I think Kansas is going to try to back up the truck to keep him. But if you're Mississippi State, you at least try to find out if he's interested. Now let's move on to some guys that they'll try to find out they're interested and find out they are definitely interested. John Sumrall, the Troy head coach. He was, he was Kentucky's co-defensive coordinator before he came to Troy. He's been fantastic since getting to Troy, 20-4 and four with a Sun Belt title, and they play great defense. Right now, they are ranked number 12 in the country in yards per play allowed on defense. Sumrall is a young, energetic coach who has spent most of his career in the region. He's coached at Troy. He's coached at Tulane. He's coached at Ole Miss. He's coached at Kentucky. So he would know who to hire from an assistant standpoint. He would know where to recruit. Speaking of good head coaches in the region, Willie Fritz at Tulane. I think he'd be interested in this job. Now, if Leipold leaves Kansas, Willie Fritz is going to be trying very hard to get back home to Kansas. But if Leipold stays at Kansas, Willie Fritz could be a name for a couple different things. In this case, he's 63 years old. So you've got to decide, are you okay with that? Are you all right with a coach who... He's not going to be there 10 or 15 years, probably. But the thing is, most of these guys won't either if they're good. 
you know, Mullen was there for nine seasons, but he did ultimately leave for Florida after finding success there. If you're Mississippi State, you need to understand that if a coach is successful, he might be going somewhere else. Or in the case of Willie Fritz, he might coast into retirement as a successful coach. The question is, do you want to take those five, six, seven successful years, or do you want to try to find somebody who will stay forever when that person probably doesn't exist? Willie Fritz has won everywhere he's been, very similar to Leipold in this situation. Uh, he, he's been at Central Missouri, Sam Houston State, Georgia Southern, and Tulane, and it just keeps going up. He's 20-3 and three in the past two seasons at Tulane, so Willie Fritz probably worth a call. Rhett Lashley at SMU. It's amazing to think Rhett Lashley's only 40. It felt like he kind of missed his window to become a big-time head coach because, remember, he was the OC at Auburn from 2013 to 2016. Now, Gus Malzahn was calling the plays, and Rhett Lashley and Gus Malzahn go way back. Rhett Lashley played high school football for Gus Malzahn back in Arkansas. But it seemed like after that didn't work out and Lashley went to UConn as the OC that perhaps that window had closed. But then Lashley becomes the OC at SMU with Sonny Dykes. He goes to Miami, was a good OC there, and then he's done a great job as a head coach since becoming a head coach. He's 15-8 and eight at SMU so far. This is a guy who knows the area very well. He's been in Arkansas. He's been at Auburn. He understands this region of the country very well. Rhett Lashley, I think, would be an excellent choice for this job. Another guy who's won everywhere, but is also pretty young, Jamie Chadwell at Liberty. So he's won at North Greenville. He's won at Charleston Southern. He's won big at Coastal Carolina, and he's 10-0 and in his first season at Liberty. Now, you're asking, why hasn't Jamie Chadwell become a Power 5 head coach yet? The reason is what I just said, that resume. It's great, but he also didn't do the Power 5 assistant coach thing, so he's never actually had to recruit at the Power 5 level. Now, I would argue if you look at Fritz and you look at now, Fritz hadn't been Power 5, but he's been good at every level. Look at Leipold, who is in the Power 5. I think people who win just win. So, Jamie Chadwell, I would imagine, would continue to be successful no matter what level you put him at and the recruiting piece he'd figure out. But that the, the question here is, would he leave Liberty after just one year? And the other piece of this is Liberty can pay much more than programs that size can. So... That's a place where they actually could make him a pretty good offer to stay. If this is not the dream job, then he might stay. But listen, this is a good SEC job, and those don't come open every day. So Jamie Chadwell, possibly. Manny Diaz, Penn State defensive coordinator. He's been Mississippi State's defensive coordinator twice under Dan Mullen. Successful both times there. The, the thing with Manny Diaz, if you look at him as a defensive coordinator, he's been great when he's been able to get elite superstar athletes when the athletes have not been as great, they haven't been as good. He's got really good ones at Penn State right now. He had great ones at Mississippi State. And that's the thing about Mississippi State. Even though they don't draw tons of five stars, they can get guys out of Mississippi who are under-recruited or out of the JUCO system in Mississippi who wind up being NFL first-rounders. You're going to have elite talent on that defense most of the time if you know what you're doing. And Manny Diaz definitely knows what he's doing at Mississippi State. And I think also if you look at Mario Cristobal's first couple of seasons at Miami, you maybe reevaluate how you feel about Manny Diaz's performance at Miami. It may just be a pretty hard place to win. And Manny Diaz was actually doing a decent job. So that's one from the coordinator ranks that should be considered for this job. Another one from the coordinator ranks, another youngster, 33-year-old Georgia defensive coordinator Glenn Schumann. Everybody looking for the next Dan Lanning. This is, this is the guy you're probably looking for. Glenn Schumann went to Alabama as an undergrad, not to play football, but to learn how to be a coach. Age 24, he was Alabama's director of operations. He was one of Kirby Smart's first hires when Kirby Smart left Alabama as D.C. to become Georgia's head coach. And Schumann has just been on a rocket ship ever since. Uh, worked under Mel Tucker, worked with Lanning. He now runs the defense with Will Muschamp. This is a guy who's going to be a head coach at some point. The question is, is he ready for an SEC job right now? We will find out. But Zach Selman at Mississippi State has a lot of good options. Whoever gets that job, I have a recommendation. Strange Brew Coffee House in Starkville. Wonderful, wonderful place. They have blueberry cobbler coffee there. And it sounds weird, 
it's magical. So if you get that job, you're up late recruiting, got to get up early the next morning, get back on the grind. We'll grind up some blueberry cobbler from Strange Brew Coffee House. That's not an ad, by the way. That's just a recommendation, friend to friend, whoever you may be, next Mississippi State head coach. Next up, we move on to one of my favorite segments because I get to dream about what things will be like next year when there is a 12-team playoff. That's right. It is time for your hypothetical 12-team playoff bracket using this year's results. And man, I wish we were doing that this year. It is Monday night, and that means it is time for your hypothetical 12-team playoff. This is where we retrain our brains to get ready for when there's an actual 12-team playoff next season. But man, it would be awesome if it were this season. So here's what we've got. We've got Georgia at number one. You know, that's we, we saw the Bulldogs against Ole Miss. Feeling pretty good about them being the one seed in real world, in the hypothetical here. Uh, I've got Michigan at number two. This is an assumption that Michigan beats Ohio State when they play, and Michigan winds up the, the Big Ten champ, and that pushes Ohio State down the stack a little bit. I've got Texas at number three. I'm not highly confident in this pick right now because Texas has got to go win at Iowa State, and then they've got to beat Texas Tech, and then they've got to beat whoever they're going to play in the Big 12 title game, which Oklahoma State losing to UCF throws that into question as to who that'll be. Now, obviously, if Texas loses to Iowa State, they wouldn't be in the hunt for the bye. Well, they might be. They might still be able to win the Big 12 championship, but I don't think they'd be a top four team. That's the, that's the big thing. And, but it's interesting because, remember, the top four in the 12-team playoff have to be a conference champ. So there could be years where you have a two-loss conference champ at number four because that is the fourth-highest-ranked conference champ. And that's where things get get real interesting when you drop that some of those teams that might be better into five through twelve. So right now I've got Texas three there. I've got Florida State four. I think Florida State's going to go undefeated in real world and and in this one. And so that's that's where they'd land. Ohio State at five. This is saying you know the Ohio State Michigan game is fairly close. It's not that different, but obviously they're not a conference champ, so they can't be. In the top four. So we got them at five. I've got Oregon at six. This would assume that Oregon beats Washington in the rematch. Interestingly enough, our friends at FanDuel say that if they play that game today, a rematch of Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12 championship game on the neutral site, Oregon would be a six and a half point favorite. So that's where a lot of that's coming from. The Washington fans get mad because they're like, how come you keep projecting Oregon ahead of Washington? Washington beat them because everybody thinks Oregon would win if they played again. Now, that doesn't mean they will. There's a reason they play the games, but that's the thought. Seven, I got Washington. This would assume that Washington gets through. I don't know that Washington's going to beat Oregon State this week in real life, but if they did get through at 12-0, lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, they wouldn't, they'd be one spot behind Oregon in the rankings. Number eight, Alabama. Number nine, Louisville. Now, Alabama, this, this is, both of these is an assumption they lose their conference championship game. You'll see when we get to the games themselves, though, this puts Alabama in an interesting spot. 10, Missouri. Oh, yeah. If this were next year, the Tigers are in the playoff with this kind of season because they're going to be heavy, heavily favored against Florida this weekend. They should beat Arkansas on Black Friday. They should finish 10-2. and two. And the resume they have at 10-2, and two, I think they'd be in the top 11. So... Missouri would be a playoff team. Number 11, I've got Oregon State here. Now, I think Oregon State probably has to beat Washington to make this work. But I think there's a chance they do. I don't think they're beating Oregon. But, again, if they if they beat Oregon, they'd actually probably be ranked a little higher, even though they're a two-loss team. This one's tough. It's hard to project who this is going to be. It could be a couple different teams. Number 12, I've got Tulane, but it should be James Madison. I know I keep banging this drum. NCAA, take the easy win Make James Madison eligible for the postseason. Let them play in the Sun Belt title game. If they go 13-0, let them be the rep in the New Year's Six Bowl where next year where they will be eligible for all this stuff. They can make the playoff. There's Hey, look, if James Madison has a season like this again next year, we can see James Madison in the playoff. 
So let's let's say what that means in terms of games. Number 12, Tulane at number five, Ohio State. That's probably an Ohio State blowout win. And the winner would play Florida State in the Fiesta Bowl. Why the Fiesta Bowl? Because everybody else is getting something closer because they're seated higher. So everybody's got to travel to Arizona. That's okay. Stay in Scottsdale. It's lovely. Number 11, Oregon State. Get ready for this. At number six, Oregon. They'd be replaying the Civil War. Now, remember, the Civil War not going to continue probably next year. Woo! Can you imagine? Now, in this case, they'd be playing shortly after they just finished the season against one another. This is, if it actually happens in the playoff, it'll be more dramatic because they will not have just played each other. You will have the situation where they're not playing in the regular season anymore despite being in-state rivals for years and years and years. The winner of that would play number three, Texas, in the Cotton Bowl. The game, I think, would be the game of that opening weekend, the first round of the playoffs. Number 10, Missouri, at number seven, Washington. That would be a great game. I would love to see that game. I, I kind of hope that winds up being a bowl game this year if it all works out. Washington obviously doesn't. Washington would like to be 13-0 in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. But Missouri-Washington, winner would play number two Michigan in the Orange Bowl. That would be fun. And also, kind of a potential upset pick. I don't know that you'd pick the winner of this over Michigan, but it would be an intriguing matchup. And then you got number nine Louisville at number eight Alabama. Winner plays number one Georgia in the Peach Bowl. What you'd have in this case is if Alabama wins... They'd be playing Georgia again in the site where they just played Georgia in the SEC championship game. We've seen this before. Now, they didn't play at the same site when they played in the SEC championship game and then played again in the national title game, but we've seen the rematch situation before, and we've seen them split them. So, going to be really interesting when this is real next year. I can't wait. I, I just, I love this. I love the matchups. I love that... The little tweaks week to week set up these different matchups. I'm telling you, that Missouri-Washington game would be a banger. A banger if we absolutely had it this year. So just wait. One more year. We're going to have it. But right now, we got to settle for the four team. That's okay. Plenty of drama these next few weeks with that one. Next up, picks with Josh Newberg of On3. But first... I want to tell you about FanDuel. We get all our lines and our totals from FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash staples. If you make a $5 winning Moneyline bet, you get $150 in guaranteed bonus bets. That's right. So you pick a winner and you get $150 in guaranteed bonus bets. FanDuel is the largest online sports book, the easiest online sports book. I was watching some folks the other night using the promo code staples, by the way. They're watching an NFL game. They, they signed up with that promo code, and they started going. They, started fir- they, they went, first touchdown. Is the kickoff going to be a touchback? First field goal. I just, incredible. So many ways to play using FanDuel. And obviously, they've got every college game, every NFL game, NBA, NHL, you name it. So go to FanDuel.com slash Staples. Sign up today. You make one $5 money line bet. That means you pick the winner. And you get $150 in bonus bets if your winner hits. FanDuel.com slash staples. And now, it's time for the picks with our ringer, Josh Newber. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is time to make some picks, and I have brought in a ringer this week. Josh Newberg. You know him, you love him, you watch him on On3 Recruits. By the way, if you haven't already subscribed to that channel, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Best recruiting info on the internet. But also, Josh, tell the people your record against the spread in your, uh, in your pick'em yeah. league this year. Well, uh, I'm a defending champion in this league, so okay. I'm, I'm a returning champion, I should say. And this year, I'm off to 152 and 119 start. Against Sh- the spread. Against the spread. 
picking with yeah against the spread and uh, currently in first place by three games. So could be back to back champ of this pick'em league. Uh, I gotta say my record is not that good this year. You you guys have been following along. You know where my record's at. But listen, if Oregon hadn't farted around at the end of the USC game, I would have been six and two in the picks we released last week. So I you know I, I'm coming back that that dreadful zero and eight in week three. Just yeah. an anchor. Well, unlike, me down. unlike you, I don't have any excuses. I'm just in it to win it. So exactly. <laughs> just take my picks as gospel. Here. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can fade me, follow him. If, if we all happen to agree on both, I'm probably more worried for Josh than I am <laughs> excited for myself. But we, we got some interesting games this week. This is the one where you get the weird results because the, you know, the SEC and the ACC typically put a, you know, put a ham sandwich in here before they play their rivalry Absolutely. games. And so you don't really get as, as much wall-to-wall action as you've had the last few weeks, but you get some strange stuff. The Pac-12 is very interesting this week, Josh. <laughs> We're going to be talking a lot about out west because some of those games are fascinating. Let's start on Friday night. Okay. Colorado, Washington State. So Colorado, losers of five of six. Yep. Washington State, losers of six in a row. In a row, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So both teams need to win out to become bowl eligible. I'd say Colorado's path is actually easier because Washington State has the Apple Cup mm-hmm. after this game. But I don't think either one's going to be bowl eligible. But this is a four-pride situation. Absolutely. Colorado, I thought, played well against Arizona. Arizona's become a very good team. You know, Arizona walks it off on them. Washington State has managed... Like, how do you lose... This is, this is the... This tells you a lot about Washington State season. They lost 10-7 to Stanford. Right. Um, that's what I'm looking at. And then at they right turn now. around and lost 42-39 to Cal. Like it, you're you're right there but you're you're so far away in wildly ways. inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, so this is a I I'll, I'll ask you Josh. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody says we've been ramming coach Prime down their throats. I argue you guys just like to click on it and so we keep giving it to you. Where do you think the fascination with coach Prime is right now? Oof. Well, I think at this point, a lot of the doubters feel like they won. You know, yeah. they won the argument the entire offseason of Coach Prime coming in and being overhyped. But, you know, you got to remember, this is a one-win team. I think Coach Prime has already lived up to expectations. I think what you're seeing is that it is tougher than he yeah. thought. That, you know, hey, when the fans were boasting that they had the best portal class in America, and we were trying to say, hey, slow down on that. A lot of these guys are in the portal for a reason. You know, Colorado fans thought Prime was going to have that Midas touch where every single guy he brought in was special because they were handpicked by Coach Prime when really we know they were just available. Right. And you're seeing some of that availability and what it gets you in 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 reality. Yeah. It's not exactly what they want, but it's an improved team. I think they've accomplished a lot, but there's still a lot to go. Well, as someone who covers recruiting as closely as you do, how is – what can we expect – between now and signing day for them because they they did open flashy. They had a little Wayne bring him out. Mm-hmm. Like these are things that that recruits are gonna pay attention to. And they're also gonna pay attention to the fact that probably every offensive line and defensive line job is open. Right. So how many of those guys do you think they could flip or land between now and I think they gotta I think they need to win against Washington State. And I say that in on multiple levels because right now some of that shine is missing. You know, you see Coach Prime in these press conferences after he's a little bit more dejected than he was early in the season. He's a little bit more frustrated than he was. And, hey, Colorado had a decommitment from a wide receiver from Fort Myers on Sunday. You know, Deion Sanders' hometown. So, I I think they need it for some recruiting momentum. Ultimately, they're going to play the portal. They're going to play the high school game. I think they'll probably take six or seven more from the high school level, hit the portal hard. But how good are those high school prospects going to be? I I think not not everything is determined by wins and losses in recruiting, as you know, but they need a win this weekend. Yeah. So Washington State's a four and a half point favorite in this game. I just as Jake Dickert, their coach, said, they just keep finding new and different ways to shoot themselves in the foot. I was actually impressed by Colorado against Arizona. Mm-hmm. I don't think they quit. I'm gonna take Colorado. To pull the upset in this game, I, well, I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not taking the money line. Give me the points. Give me, give me Colorado plus four and a half. I'm not, not willing to go that far on the money line, but I will take those four and a half points. Yeah, I, I like Colorado. I, I like Colorado straight up. I don't need the points, but give me the points. 
Uh, I think that Shador Sanders and this offense are just going to outscore Washington State. I feel like the defense, while we know that they're going to give up points, I think they're going to get a few stops here. And just the talent of Shador Sanders and some of those playmakers on offense, I think it'll put them over the top. I like Colorado to win this one. All right. Yeah. Ah, so I'm feeling good. Yeah. I, I got the ringer, and I agree on the first <laughs> pick. Here we go. Let us head to uh, to South Florida. This is a, a game that the, you look at the records, and the line doesn't really make sense. But if you've watched both teams play, especially recently, you're like, okay, yeah. I get it. Louisville at Miami. Louisville's a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. So we saw Miami go up to Florida State, play them close. I thought Emory Williams played well, unfortunately. I thought he played well. Yeah, yeah. Bad injury at the end of the game. They're back to Tyler Van Dyke with Miami now. Uh, but Louisville, Thursday night game against Virginia, really struggled. Mm-hmm. You know, had to pull that one out in the fourth quarter. I just – Louisville feels like they're living dangerously. They've got Miami and Kentucky, and I have a feeling they're going to lose one of these. I'm just not sure which one. Okay. I disagree. No, I think they're okay. going to win them both. But I, 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 you know, typically Miami, when they lose to Florida State, Florida State tends to hand them two or three losses in that one game. Miami doesn't do well in those in that week or two after the Florida State game when they lose. And I think this season, you know, last season. I felt like there was maybe a little bit more bounce back in this Miami team, but this season with injuries wearing on them, uh, with the offense, just the offense has taken a step back this year. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, especially. So having him back in, you saw what happened against Florida state. Tyler Van Dyke had a chance. He had an opportunity to rewrite his story. Yes. He could have. What a drive that would have been. He could have led them down to force overtime and they somehow find a way to win that game. Andy, the last 10 interceptions that he threw are all forgiven. If yes. he can lead that offense down, his story is forever changed. You know the magnitude of what a, a big performance can do in a rivalry game in the state of Florida. Absolutely. And Tyler Van Dyke had that opportunity. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought, one, that the Canes would be down a score on the final drive of the game, and two, Tyler Van Dyke would be at the helm. Like, you couldn't have scripted it any better. He had the chance. It didn't work out. I think this team is dejected. I think they're down. I think they're hurt. And, you know, frankly, they're just not very good this year. Mm -hmm. And I think Louisville takes it to them at home. Well, the thing about Louisville is they seem to have these kind of dips because they're they're – new at this yeah they're learning how to be successful like you saw the the struggle against Pitt coming a mile away after they beat Notre Dame I think you might be right about this I think you know the the Virginia game like Thursday night games are weird Mm -hmm. Virginia has been one of those that just has played people really close and can't quite get over the hump their record's not great but you saw what they did to North Carolina so I think you may be right about this one because you know Louisville figured out how to win that game and this feels like one of the ones where, okay, they've had their struggle, and now they're going to come blow the doors off somebody. Mm-hmm. And then, so maybe Kentucky's the one that they, that they right. drop. But, but yeah, so I, I'm with you. I will take, I'll take Louisville to win this. They only got to win by a point and a half yeah. to cover. So I, I feel pretty good about this. But, yeah, that is a – that's an interesting – it's just crazy what Jeff Brom's done there because I said when he got hired, I was like, he's going to have them be a force in the ACC Already. in about three years. I didn't think it was going to happen – this soon. So how, if you're a Miami fan and you've been in this constant coaching churn going on 20, 20 years now, yeah. and you're telling other Miami fans, hey, be patient. Be patient with Mario Cristobal. How do you, if as a Miami fan, interpret what's happening at there's Louisville? No, there's no patience to be had. Look at what's happening yeah. at Louisville, the team that's coming in. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Like, I think Jeff Brom, if you put him at any school in the ACC where you can get athletes— he would do this mm-hmm. because Jeff Brom took freaking Purdue to the Big Ten title game. Like <laughs> that tells you degree of difficulty. So I don't know. I don't know what it is about Miami. Like I, I thought when Manny was there and he brought in Rhett Lashley to run the offense, mm-hmm. that the, like that's finally, finally they're running an offense that fits the athletes that they can recruit locally. Yeah. But Mario, you know, getting good offensive linemen, that sort of travels. I, I figured that. I don't know. They cannot seem to develop a winning culture there. And they had the ultimate culture mm-hmm. when we were kids. Yeah. Like, as I don't know that people who didn't live through the 80s and 90s Miami, like, understand 
that was the ultimate culture program. Mm -hmm. Like you knew what Miami was. The names would change, but the way they beat people's asses didn't change. And I just, I don't know how you ever get that back. It's a strange, it's a strange place they're in. Um, and I, you know, you don't want to say Mario's not the guy here. We are nearly two seasons through, but I've seen regression. Hey, Maybe, it, like you said, with the transfer portal and everything, I do think Mario's done a good job of building up the trenches. I think that's the the first place you start. So there's some sort of foundation there, but they need to they they need to figure it out at quarterback. They need to figure it out on defense. Now maybe Emory Williams is that quarterback. They were really excited when they landed him last year, and he was kind of an under the radar mm -hmm. recruit uh, from Milton, Florida. So he's from the Panhandle. Florida State wanted him pretty bad too, but now you've got to wait. Another year to see him. I mean, mm. I don't even know how much he can do in the spring right now. Yeah, so. I don't know. It's early. Yeah. But they're going to have a problem there at quarterback that they got to solve, and that'll be the biggest issue. That'll be the biggest thing that they got to overcome to take that next step. They got to find more consistent play at the quarterback position. Now, I do think what Mario Cristobal, we know Mario will, will get them better on the offensive line. He already has. He already has. But then it'll get even better as those guys get older. Like Francis Mellino, as a, as a sophomore, will be a scary thing yeah. to, to deal with. And then Samson Okanolo will probably be starting as a sophomore. So I, I do think that tends to make your quarterback more consistent. Absolutely. So you've got that part. But, I yeah, I was just – I don't know. I thought this year would be the year they turned it around when they beat Texas A&M. Yeah, I felt like the momentum was there, but then the Georgia Tech thing just—I don't know. I don't think it was just that, but I think that was—it broke them, you know, in a way. It, it broke the quarterback play. I think that prior to that, there was some some consistency consistency at the position. I thought that we were seeing Tyler Van Dyke start to open it up and play a little bit more freely. But then the regression happened. Uh, maybe it was the Georgia Tech loss. I don't know. But it just had, you know, they haven't been able to regain it, and I think that's been the biggest issue for the Canes. All right, so two, two picks of Louisville to cover. Let us go to a, a very big on-the-road on the spread. I, I don't typically like to, to talk about spreads with road favorites mm -hmm. that are this big, but we've got to talk about this game just because it's one of the more interesting games in college football because how many games in college football have a court hearing on Friday – that will determine who one of the head coaches is. Only one. <laughs> so Michigan goes to Maryland. The Wolverines are a 19.5-point favorite at the moment. That could change as, as we go further. But on Friday, mm -hmm. there will be a, a hearing in Ann Arbor where the Big Ten and attorneys for Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh will present their cases as to whether Jim Harbaugh should receive an injunction that would allow him to coach that would – suspend his suspension as it were and allow him to coach against maryland we won't know the answer to that till friday but you saw sharon moore lead michigan to a win against penn state jj mccarthy threw eight passes in that game unbelievable and they didn't need it no like, i watched it no they didn't i that's the thing like i've seen people say well that shows you how bad jj mccarthy no it doesn't it shows you how awesome their offensive line is. Mm -hmm. Penn State's D-line is great. Yeah, and if you can impose your will on somebody like that and win football games, why not? Yes. Especially this late in the year. Yes. If you can do it, the weather's changing. Like That's, that's oh, yeah. how you want to play football if you're Michigan. Now, seasoned Big Ten watchers know this is a weird spot. And it's interesting that the league did this this year where they put Michigan here. This is the spot that Ohio State nearly got tripped up in a couple times. Mm -hmm. Like, remember Urban Meyer, his last road game as, an, as the Ohio State head coach at Maryland? Yep. Maryland should have won in double overtime. Uh, I believe they had a drop two-point conversion. But that's the one where Meyer kept kind of, like, hands on yeah, knees. He like, looked like he was out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> this is a strange spot because it's such a look-ahead spot for, for the two teams that have to play next week. But... Michigan feels like a team on a mission. Like you say, uh, everybody can have their opinion about what Michigan did and, you know, are they cheaters and all that. But the players themselves don't care what your opinion is on that. All they know is everybody's mad at them and they would like to take it out on the opponent. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be one of those games where, um, well, first of all, can I get into my pick? You can. Okay. I'm taking, I'm taking Michigan. Okay. I think whether if Jim Harbaugh's not 
there. They got that chip on their shoulder, yep. and they're just going to whoop ass. If Jim Harbaugh is there, they got that chip on their shoulder, and they're <laughs> just, just going to whoop, whoop ass. ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, here's the thing. The week before Penn State-Michigan, Maryland's defense made Drew Aller look like Dan Marino. Yeah. J.J.'s going to throw more than eight times in this game. Absolutely. They're going to let J.J. show off. They don't off. need to. They don't need to, but my guess is he they're going to. They're, they're he gonna, needs to get those throws. Right, they're going to get him some to. reps before the Ohio State game because he is going to have to right. win them the Ohio, help them win the Ohio State And beyond game. that, there's yeah. going to be games where he yeah. needs to. So we're going to see more from J.J. We're going to see more points, and that is why I will take Michigan to cover yeah. as well. Even if he – I think if he threw nine passes, I think they would still cover. Yeah. I just – and I'm a big Mike Loxley guy. Oh, yeah. But this Maryland offense is kind of uh, – they had a bit of a revival, but they've kind of puttered out a little bit. And um, and this is the best defense they'll have played. This is the best – it's so suffocating. Yeah. This defense is suffocating. They're going to take whatever air was left in that Maryland offense, they'll, yep. they'll get it right out of there. We'll be right back to the picks. But first, I want to tell you about Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Use the promo code Staples. Get $20 off your first order. What's that first order going to be? Well, could be a game. Could be a concert. Could be a, a, a play. Could be a comedy show. Game Time has tickets to everything. And it's the easiest, least stressful way to get your last-minute tickets. There's a hot ticket in Corvallis, Oregon this week. Yeah, 193 bucks is your get-in price right now if you want to watch Washington and Oregon State. Remember, the Beavers favored against the undefeated Huskies. Big, big game. They want to show out in front of a national TV audience. Research Stadium could be a very fun place to be on Saturday, and you can be there with game time. All you have to do, enter Oregon State football in the search bar. You click Oregon State. You click that game, and then you can pick your ticket, and you look at the ticket, Picture pops up. That's where your seat would be. That's your vantage point. It's the easiest thing. Or a couple more taps, that ticket is yours. You want to go see Georgia play Tennessee at Neyland Stadium? You can do it with game time. Plenty of tickets available. It's the easiest way to get last-minute tickets, so stress-free. If you want to send tickets to your friend on game day, you can text them. Game time makes it simple for everyone involved. So go to game time, download the app, promo code staples, 20 bucks off your first purchase. There's a game you want to go to, concert you want to go to, no excuses. With game time, you're going. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I'm going to, for this next game, I'm going to make the pick first because I don't want you to think I'm just piggybacking off, okay. off our ringer here. And this is, the reason I'm going to do this is because I get this team wrong pretty much every time, though I got it right last week. Georgia, Tennessee. Mm. Georgia, another double-digit road favorite. Georgia is a 10-point favorite going to Neyland Stadium, which if, if we'd have said that at the beginning of the season, or if we, let me, let me put it this way, if we said it after the day after the Georgia-Auburn game, Hey, Georgia's going to be a 10-point favorite at Neyland <laughs> Stadium road, yeah. and be like, no, what, what has happened? Like, did Tennessee's entire team quit? How, how did that happen? No, they so, didn't, but kind of. No, it's – so the the only – I think the only Tennessee game I have correctly predicted this season was last week. Well, I, I guess <laughs> our producer, River, who went to we Tennessee, yup. <laughs> just goes, yup. <laughs> so, yes, I correctly predicted the Missouri-Tennessee result. Okay. Now, I didn't – I didn't think it was going to be the, the epic butt whooping mm -hmm. that it was, but I did think Missouri would win by a few points. And so I, my question is, where is Tennessee right now? Because we know where Georgia is right now. Like, Georgia is throttling up to just killing machine territory. Yeah. Like, they are mm – -hmm. that you offense is ridiculous when you have Brock – like, because remember, until last week, we hadn't seen Brock Bowers and a fully healthy Lad McConkey on the field at the same time. And now we have, and oh, by the way, Kendall Milton's hamstring's feeling okay. Like, 
That's scary. And when everybody else is down with injuries at key positions, they're just plugging in the five-star that they signed last year. And it's almost like Georgia was working through their injury issues, and they struggled, just like all these other teams are struggling with their their Mm -hmm. injury stuff now. And now Georgia's getting back healthy, and Carson Beck has some experience under him, and this offense feels like it's humming, and they're playing physical, and the defenses, and you can see where this is going. Yeah, I'm picking Georgia to cover here. my record, my own record, be damned. I, I think Georgia is has just entered another level, and they're looking right now. I think Georgia is looking. They're never looking ahead. You know how they operate. They're very process oriented. Mm-hmm. But I think grand scheme, they're they're thinking we probably still have to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game just to make sure everything's cool. Mm-hmm. So let's be ready to 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 be our best team by that right. point. Uh, and this could end up being their best game of the year. It could. Yeah. Just the way that things are going, the way that things are falling in line. And Tennessee, to me, feels like they're in a they're like in a hopeless place right now because you know Joe Milton's not the guy. Mm-hmm. You know that he just needs to carry you through the season. Need and go. Need <laughs> go. Need yeah. go. So, but this isn't the time no, nor the place. No. Let's not shatter that. the freshman's <laughs> right. psyche right now. Right. So that's why I say they're in a bit of a hopeless place because it's like you just have to go in with what you got. But you know what you can find in a hopeless place? Love. Love. That's right. Rihanna told us that. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I, I'm with you there. I I have faith in my friends, the Tennessee fans, yeah. to come out loud and proud. I, I do think oh they will. This will be a great atmosphere at first, yeah. and if Tennessee can hang in at first, it will carry through, and then it probably becomes a game. But if you let Georgia stick the knife in you in the first quarter, which they've been doing lately. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to worry about. Right. And then you put the ball in Joe Milton's hands and it's on him to come back and win it. And things just start getting out of hand from there. Yeah. It's got a shot to to be ugly. Yeah. So I, we're, we're both taking Georgia to car. I swear we, we didn't plan this. No. Now we go to uh, one of my favorite segments of the week. We're picking the Iowa total. This is like the saddest segment of the week. <laughs> no, the saddest was last week. The Rutgers total was 28 and a half. And it did come in under 22 to nothing Iowa oh. over Rutgers. Uh, Iowa actually throw, threw the ball in a fairly competent manner. Deacon Hill averaged 7.3 yards per attempt. Uh, How'd that work out for them? Uh, they won 22 to nothing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what else? I'm not watching much Iowa these days. But Illinois, do they still have the walk-on QB? Brendan Soresby was excellent. Against, I'm sorry, uh, John Paddock. Brendan Sorsby was, was Indiana's quarterback in that wild <laughs> overtime game. How many yards did he throw for? John Paddock was 24 of 36 for 507 yards with four <laughs> touchdowns. Josh, wow. I'm going to do something here. So the, the, the over, I'm sorry, the under in, in Iowa games this year is 8-2. And, mm-hmm. and you see Vegas can't make it low enough. Like they, they, would, they went down to 28 and a half. Their computers can't handle like it's just like their computers can't handle LSU. Like they keep they keep setting the number too low for LSU, and they keep setting it too high for Iowa. I think this is the one. I don't know that John Paddock will continue to to just yeah. <laughs> He's not due for five hundred a game. Yeah, I, I don't think that's gonna happen. But he 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 helped them beat Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Like they may have found their guy. I don't know. Iowa's defense tends to make every quarterback not the guy. But Illinois' defense may help. Because remember, they, these guys just gave that up a bunch of points. That could be the deciding factor. They just gave up a bunch of points to Indiana. And Deacon Hill just had a fairly effective game against a good Rutgers defense. Like, And I love Deacon Hill, mostly because we're shaped the same. And he's a Division One quarterback. <laughs> and you're not supposed to look like me if you're a Division One quarterback. That's so relatable. Exactly. So I'm going to take the over. I'm doing it. That's that's not as nuts as me taking the under. Look, there's now there's film out on Paddock now. He can be solved. I mean, <laughs> I know, and Phil Parker can solve anybody. He might not throw for 550 yards in this one. I'm taking the under. <laughs> I am taking the under. I am taking the over just because I'm pro- like. Here's the thing. Let's say he doesn't throw for 500 yards, but two of his passes go to Cooper to Gene. And Cooper Gene House is one of those. <laughs> then I'm seven points closer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it get, yeah, it get, that 30 points can come quick, or 
it doesn't come at all. I, we'll see. There's got to be one random over in here the rest of the season. I'm not, and trust me. This one doesn't look bad, but you I know. can tell you right now, I don't care where they set the number. I'm taking the under next week against Nebraska. Yeah. Like, so you, you could set it at 17. And I was going to say 17. I, I will take the <laughs> I was going to say 17. But, so I am going to take the over for this week. I think there's one more Iowa over to be had this season, yeah. and it is this week. I mean, I'm not going to be on your, your show next week, but the, my prediction for that score is 8 to 2. <laughs> I love it. And five safeties. I'm five Iowa, safeties. I'm taking two. Iowa 8 to 2. <laughs> I love it. And remember, Nebraska won that game last year with an interim coach. Yeah. All right. Let's mm. head out west again. Okay. UCLA versus USC. Yep. USC is a six and a half point favorite. What's going on with Chip Kelly and the Bruins? Mm. I think You're uh, a recruiting guy. I don't know. You, you you probably don't deal with Chip Kelly very much because he's not into the four stars. No, the I think the last time we talked about him was when he flipped Dante Moore. Yeah. And just seeing what he's done this season, I don't know if I'm UCLA's brass, if I trust Chip Kelly with Dante Moore because you hired Chip Kelly to run a, a an offense, yeah, and that offense ain't running real well right now. And you got Dante Moore waiting in the wings. You could bring in another head coach, bring in all that excitement, all that hope. Move. Like, yeah, your schedule's drastically different. Yeah, but like losing seventeen seven to Arizona State is fireable offense. Like when I saw the, when they lost to Arizona the week before, my thought was okay, Arizona's playing great. Noah Fafita is mm-hmm. kind of finding himself as their starting quarterback. <laughs> Uh, Jed Fish has that team really playing well. And I like Kenny Dillingham, and I think he's he's actually doing a good job. He's doing a great job. Given the circumstances great of Arizona job. State. Yeah. But that's a, a, an inexcusable loss yes. if you're UCLA and you're in year five under Chip Kelly. Yeah. You got to put up more points. Uh, even if you're, you just got to put up points if you're Chip Kelly because that's the reason you're there. They can bring sorry, in. This is six. This is your six. They can bring in, uh, they can bring in anybody to do what they're doing right now. Now, USC, we know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. They're not, they haven't quit yet. Like they could have easily quit against Oregon. They tried to come back, uh, converted a couple fourth downs, got within nine. I, I believe in this offense. Caleb Williams, I still think is pro- like Jaden Daniels going to win the Heisman. Right. Caleb Williams still going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Yep. Like he's a great quarterback, and doesn't really have the weapons, but but has found a way to Taj Washington, and and they've they've made it work. Defensively, they are what they are. So the, the UCLA is going to score some points. Are they though? Well, that's the question. <laughs> that's the question. Because Arizona are State's they, defense should theoretically give up the same they level of points. I, th- I think I'm going to take USC to cover in this game. Yeah, I like USC big in this game. Like you said, they haven't given up. They still know how to score points. Uh, I just don't think – this kind of matches up to what we were saying earlier. I don't think UCLA can come up with the stops mm-hmm. to slow UC- USC down. I mean, USC can throw up 35 to 50 yeah. in a blink of an eye. Yeah, UCLA has a great pass rush. And, and so the way UCLA wins, like the path to a UCLA win – is they force Caleb Williams to throw some picks where right. they make him you know he has a fumbling issue. Turnovers too. is yeah. the only way to kind of They need the Notre Dame game to happen yeah. again, basically. And I don't know if that's possible yeah. right now. But it, it I think USC comes out if they play a somewhat clean game and not turn the football over, it's an easy two score win. So while I've got you here, and I, I I'm I've done this before already once, but I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna tap your recruiting expertise here. What is going on? With USC's recruiting, they're not where they need to be. No, I I think that you know, it's kind of the culture out west, recruiting culture out west. The fans don't follow it. The teams don't really care until the very end. And we'll see what he does at the end here with USC. But they need to get they you know I don't want to say they take low hanging fruit on defense, but they need to start taking get winning some of these big battles on the defensive line on linebacker defensive back. I mean, they need a plethora of holes filled on that defense. And I don't know if Lincoln Riley's the guy to do it, but Hey, if you can score more points than everybody else, what does it matter? Well, that's the thing they'll have to, they got to put a defensive coordinator in place. I would imagine fairly quickly, like by the end of the season. Yeah. I would think you can do that. So that that person has nine, 10 days to yeah. in-home visits it. start the week after Thanksgiving. That's for the most part. That's when they, the coaches will hit the road and start doing the all important in-home visits, which lead to official visits, which lead to signing day. And, and maybe you, you hire somebody who's already got some, 
some people in the boat at their mm-hmm. current school who may want to follow. That'd be ideal. Yeah, because that's what what USC has to do personnel wise on defense. They have to get much bigger up front. Exactly. Uh, Bear Alexander, like they get him, he shouldn't be a nose. Bear Alexander should be a three technique. Like that's what he would be if you know at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He was at Georgia. Like that's not the the biggest shouldn't be the biggest person on your defense. Yeah, they're they asking some, him to anchor that defense. Yeah, they need line. some three twenty, three thirty type guys. And then they also need some athletic 300-pounders. And so that's what they've got to do. They've not done that. Alex Wrench wasn't looking for that kind of person. Right. So whoever they hire – like, let me put it this way. If you are a 340-pound five-star or 320-pound five-star, you're probably getting a call from USC. Yeah, and I think they will. They played the game really well in the transfer portal. Anytime yeah. you saw a big name on the defensive line, on the offensive line, you saw USC involved. Now, they did sign some. They didn't land them all, but USC is there to play the game. Yeah. All right. We'll stay in the Pac-12. This, is this I think, is, is the most intriguing game this week in terms of the national title picture mm-hmm. because Washington is headed to Oregon State. Washington's still undefeated. Shut out Utah in the second half. I thought Washington's defense played great in the second half of that game. Oregon State's been awesome. Yeah. The DJ Uyunglele revenge tour continues. Oregon State is actually favored in this game yeah. now by a point and a half. This is the one I've been saying Washington's going to lose. But here's the thing. They can lose it. And I, I think even if they lose this, whoever wins the Washington-Oregon Pac-12 championship game gets in the playoff. Okay. Yeah, uh, Washington is slowing down. That offense needs to come back alive. They need a spark. I think uh, watching this matchup this weekend, DJ's been playing phenomenally. Yeah. I mean, the way that he's kind of stuck it to the critics and gone out and just balled, like just played freely, slinging it all around. He's not, it's not a system thing. You can just truly see that. It's hey, amazing what DJ happens when you have play. a great offensive line in right. front of you. <laughs> so. That being said, though, I'm from Tampa. I'm a huge Michael Penix fan. Watched yep. him at Tampa Bay Tech. Um, you know, thought he might be the next Deion Kane. Deion Kane was a quarterback at Tampa Bay Tech. Oh, yeah. Signed with Clemson, won a national championship at wide receiver. But of course, Michael Penix via Indiana yeah. has been just Michael Penix, who was out. who was committed to Butch Jones at Tennessee. To if you want to yep. know how old All Michael Penix is, <laughs> he's been around. But you know, this move to Washington really kind of let him unleash what he can do. Um, they need to play better, though. Michael Penix needs to come back alive in order to win this game. I'm taking Washington. All right. Yeah, I'm taking Washington. I'm taking. I'm going to take Oregon State. Okay. To win this thing, and, and well, they got. They don't have to do much to cover. Right. If they win, they're covering yeah. probably one and a half. But I just think Washington. There's a body blow factor having just played Utah, and Washington has had a string of tough games yeah. since the Oregon game. All of that tends to have a cumulative effect, and now you've got to go on the road against an incredibly physical team. Jonathan Smith, by the way, one of the best coaches in the country. If you have an opening, I probably should have put him on my Mississippi State list. I did, <laughs> I I, I, I did, <laughs> I did put him on, on my Texas A&M list. I really think because of the circumstances Oregon State's in, that he might be open to just about anything. Because normally, like a guy at his alma mater who's doing well is not going anywhere. No. But because of what happened to Oregon State in conference realignment, I, I, will, I worry that this will be – like this and the Civil War may be yeah. it for him. I mean, if you have an opportunity because – if you're, you know, you don't want to just sit. If you don't have an opportunity, if you have an opportunity to make that move to a better conference, I, I think it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So if like Michigan State wants to hire him, something like that, you're probably going to go. It's too hard to turn down. Yeah. And, but this guy's just been awesome. I would like to see him close it out well. And listen, if he could win one of these last two, I don't think, I don't think they're going to win both of them. But if he could win one of these last two, that's a great way to finish out this season. So, uh, I think this is the one just because, again, the cumulative effect of all of the tough games that Washington yeah. has had to play in a row. And Oregon State is coming off just blasting Stanford. And so they're, they're a little different place. Like, they they have not had to deal with as tough of a – like, Colorado wasn't a super physical game. They dominated that game. Colorado really came back with a couple quick touchdowns right at the end. It was physical for Colorado. It, oh, Colorado was like, <laughs> oh, my God, what is happening to us? Yeah. So, no, I, I think the Beavers win this one. Cannot wait to see this game because I think it could be very exciting mm-hmm. and come down to the wire. So, one more, Josh. 
Who do we got? A team you talk about all the time, the Texas Longhorns. Okay. And a team you rarely talk about, the Iowa State Cyclones. Actually, never. Yeah. <laughs> but Ames has been a house of horrors for Texas at times. Texas let TCU back in the game. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I never felt like they were going to lose that game. But when, it, when they were up 26-6 to six at halftime, you're like, ah, this is, this is what we've been waiting to see from Texas. Finally, they're blowing out the teams yeah. they need to blow out. This is one where they better win this thing because Iowa State winning this game plunges the Big 12 into utter chaos. Complete chaos. And te- Texas needs to win. I think they have a chance to win big, but after kind of watching them putter along, like you said, against the TCU, they come out, they score all these points. You're like, okay, this is the Texas team yeah. that's finally clicking on all cylinders at the exact right point of the season where they should be clicking on all the cylinders. Uh it, but it didn't finish that way. And Texas still has to prove to me that they're more than a good team. Are you a great team or are you a good team? And Texas kind of flirts with that line. Just when we think they're a great team, they kind of move back and we think they're a good team. Yeah. And Jonathan Brooks has a torn ACL. He's out. So CJ Baxter, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to the 407 yep. Orlando guy. He's got to he's got to pick up a slack there. He can. And he absolutely Absolutely can. Can. I, I don't worry about that. Um, and, and obviously – they're receiving core AD Mitchell, Whittington, Worthy. Like they, they, they have the playmakers. And I, I just think they'll be okay. But like Haycock's going to have a good, good plan. He always has a good he plan on does. defense. Yep. And, and Ewers did not look perfect coming out of that injury. So I think Iowa State covers and Texas wins. I'm going with the Texas winning the Texas cover, um, but I do, uh, it's scary because Iowa State just does such a good job of disrupting things. This feels like the Kansas State game again. Yeah, the difference is Ewers is playing. I felt much. I took the Kansas State money line, and I think you know, had things been called a little, mm-hmm. you know, the plays have been called a little differently. Maybe don't go for that fourth down. Perhaps they did win that game. Yeah, but but that was Malik Murphy starting. This is Quinn Ewers. I I would not. Just say Iowa State's going to win this game. I think I'm not that confident. No, and Texas needs to send a message on their way out of the Big 12. They go in, yeah. they dominate Iowa State on the road. That's how. That's how you need to leave. That's the message. That's the yeah. statement you need to make as you head to the SEC. That hey, we're above and beyond this conference. We're leaving it yeah. behind. But Iowa State's going to make a run. But I am taking Texas and the cover. And if you are the other teams in the Big 12, hoping that Texas loses a game so that the tiebreakers then come into effect. You need, you need this one. Cause I don't, I don't have faith in Texas tech to beat Texas. No. So this is the one you need. But do you have faith? I mean, you have faith in Iowa state right now. I don't have a ton of faith, but I do. <laughs> listen, listen, I was in Ames, Iowa on a Friday night when Oklahoma state went in there undefeated. Yeah. And stuff happens at Jack Trice stadium mm-hmm. at night in November. Yeah. Like it's, it's just one of those places that uh, you catch it on the wrong night, you can be screwed. Yeah. And then you look at the, the – like, Iowa State's not out of it no. in the Big 12. They should be. That, they should, but they're not. They're not. So that's the thing. If they were to win this game, there's a, a knot of teams with two losses at the top of the conference, <laughs> and all of the tiebreakers conflict. So, like, I, I'm not even going to attempt to figure out how you break that tie if they win mm-hmm. because it really will come down to who wins the yeah. final game. And don't and do that work until we see Texas lose this one. Exactly. Then you can get in the bunker and kind of break exactly. down. Cause all it's the... too confusing anyway. Right. So like, yeah, I, I say, but I could see Texas winning close just like they won against TCU mm. close. Yeah, just like they I won know. against Kansas state. But they, close. Shouldn't. they shouldn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They should go in and beat them by three touchdowns. But technically, Texas has just never they been that. They, and, they, and they haven't turned that corner. I thought we were going to see him turn the corner last week against I was TCU. Sure. I really did. Listen, I had the remote in hand. 26-6. I'm yeah. like, well, let's, let's check on this Florida LSU game because it seems like it's, it's close right now. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, how, is how did this happen? This I did the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. I stopped. I never checked it after halftime until I think there was three or four minutes left in the in the yeah. game, and I just was like blown away that this thing got close. Yeah. yeah so it's, I that's what I want to see from Texas. Like, yeah. I will fully believe in Texas when it just comes out and shreds the teams it's supposed to shred. Which, by the way, there are going to be fewer of those in the SEC. 
than there are in the Big That's why 12. you got to make the statement now. I'm not sure they're ready to make it yet. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Josh Newberg, you've made a statement here. Thank you. And that is that I'm not completely off on these things. We agreed on a lot of stuff. We did, except for two. Yeah. So, so the, those are the ones you want to follow, Josh. Just fade, ride with me on Fade those. me here. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. No problem. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.